Welcome again to Seven Mile Road Church. Just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, my name is Jay Thomas. I'm a pastor here at this new church plant. Uh, if you're new here, you're usually one of two camps. Uh, either you're a Christian who knows Jesus and loves Jesus and are either new to the community or looking for a church or just want to check us out, you are welcome here. Please know that. Uh, if you have any questions about the church, uh, please feel free to catch up with one of us, talk with us. If you fill out that information card, we'll make sure to get back with you. Otherwise, you're probably not used to Christianity or new to church or maybe don't have a background in church or a good one or a recent one. Uh, we want to welcome you as well and let you know you're welcome here. Uh, this is a place we've named this church Seven Mile Road because it's this great story of two people who have doubts and skepticism and are struggling to figure out what they believe and Jesus provides an environment where they're welcome to do that. We want this church to be the same thing for you, to ask you questions, to wrestle with your doubt, but to belong here uh, as you figure out what you believe. So you two are welcome to come catch up with us, fill out the card so that we can get in touch with you. Today we have uh, a guest with us. Uh, we're doing our sermon series called Talks with Jesus, different conversations that Jesus has with different folks. And so today the conversation we're listening in on is Jesus talking to his disciples about prayer. So as I was thinking about that, I had met with Pastor Angelo Giuliani. Angelo is a church planter here in Philadelphia, a church that he planted just a few years back. Uh, so in this world with us has been a great help to us. I met with him once to just ask him how Seven Mile Road could be a praying community. And he asked, well, what does prayer look like in your life? And I immediately wanted to say, no, 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 I just need to know how to make the church praying and the whole conversation turned in a bad way on me. Uh, and so immediately when I thought about prayer, I, I wanted to ask Angelo to come and share God's word with us. So uh, welcome, Angelo. Uh, and we are so grateful uh, for you being here. I, I want to invite you up. Just pray for Angelo and then we'll let him preach God's word. Father, we give you great thanks for the work that you are doing in Philadelphia. That your kingdom is advancing. That Jesus is building his church that this community here in Northeast Philadelphia is just one small part of what you're doing across the globe, across the country, and even in this city. We give you great thanks that we're not alone, but that we have brothers and sisters to link arms with in different parts of the city that you're calling men and women to yourself to be on mission like Christ. We thank you for our brother and for his church. We pray for Bridge that the gospel would continue to go out from there. And now we pray for the preaching of God's word in this hour. We pray that you would make this time faithful, that the words that come out from our brother's mouth and our ears who hear it would both be done faithfully to the glory of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here. Did I take it completely out? I like walking around, so I have to put up with my being a tang. But um, it's a real delight to be here. I'm very thankful for my brother and uh, to see some faces that I've seen over the last couple of years. I've gotten to know uh, Bridge Community Church is three years old and just three years old last week. So we're pretty excited about what God's doing. And uh, yes, you guys have um, a lot of good things to be looking forward to. Um, and uh, stay on mission, stay busy. My brother needs you, and uh, by God's grace, uh, we're going to we're going to be able to even have some joint things together in years to come, months to come, and uh, it'll be a great joy to be able to do that. Um, so I'm thankful to be here. Um, my brother talks about me turning the prayer talk on him, 
But uh, it was just a very nice conversation. I'm not that, I'm not that type of person. Um, but it is interesting. Prayer um, is just one of those things. You know, you could. I've been to different places in the world, and um, it's amazing that you can go up to just about anybody on a street corner, um, in a place of business, and get getting a little conversation and say, "Do you mind if I pray for you?" And I'll tell you, I think I've had one person my whole life tell me they didn't want me to pray for them. There's something about prayer. Whether you're Muslim, whether you are someone from another religion, everybody has a sense that prayer, in some way or another, is natural. We have crisis in our country, and all of a sudden people are being called to pray. What's going on there? What's happening? There's something about prayer. There's something about who we are and who God is. And, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. Out of the story that was just read out of Luke chapter 11. And I won't reread the scripture. But it's interesting that the disciples who have been walking around with Jesus now for a period of time. And they've been seeing Jesus. And one of the things that's amazing to me is they could have asked him all kinds of things for him to teach them, right? Teach me how to walk on water. Teach me how to make wine out of water. Um, you know, I mean, he could, all kinds of things. But they saw Jesus, and when they saw Jesus, the thing that they noticed the most was that before he did anything, he was always praying. There was something about prayer and Jesus' life. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. Imagine that conversation, sitting there with the one who was not only God, but he was man, and the one that they saw pray. And I just love these words. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. So the first question and I do have sermon outlines. I hope you, you have them out there. Uh, will I get to everything on this sermon outline? I hope I do. Uh, but I know that you guys are in small groups and you're having conversations with this. So this is there for you to take and bring along with you to your small group discussion. And maybe it'll stir even more conversation. But why pray? Well, I mean, that's the first question we need to ask. Here's the disciples saying, teach us to pray. But why pray? What's, what's this prayer? What's this all about? And I think the first thing we need to notice is a couple things about Jesus. Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 6.12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Here is Jesus. What the disciples are seeing from Jesus is they're seeing someone who's praying. They're seeing someone who is going up and crying out to God. And then in the midst of that, when they're walking with him every day, they're watching him and the power of his life. They're watching him step into people's lives. They're watching him perform miracles. They're looking at him coming and responding to people. They watched him bring sight back to the blind. They watched him raise the lame. They watched him feed 5,000. They heard him pray when he raised Lazarus. There's all these things that are going on. We know that Jesus prayed before he even chose his disciples. He was always going to God. Why pray? 
But first thing we need to recognize is because Jesus prayed, because the one who came from heaven, who was both God and man, prayed. As a man, he prayed. And God honored those prayers. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But why pray? Jesus prayed. But secondly, here's Jesus speaking. And when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and not on the street corners to be seen by men. Now what word there do you think, well, I'll just say, the word when, and when you pray. Jesus is not saying, if you pray, maybe you could pray. But Jesus is saying, when you pray. It's not an option. When you pray. And he goes on and he speaks about this a number of times on the Sermon on the Mount. It's not optional. Jesus is assuming that we're going to pray. So there's something about prayer. Here we are again. Why pray? Jesus goes on. He says to his disciples, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And those words for not give up are lose heart. Jesus is saying it's either one or the other in this world. You're either going to be someone who's praying or you're going to lose heart in this world. You're either going to be someone who's going to God and crying out to God and having God speak to your heart and speak the promises and the truth or you're going to be somebody in this world who's going to lose heart. Because if you're not a praying person, you're going to stumble and lose heart. It's very clear that Jesus is assuming that we will be praying. And then he goes on to say, you need to pray or you will lose heart. And I love here, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man could do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. And here is Jesus, as man, in a dependent relationship with the father. Saying, apart from my father, I can do nothing. I go to him in prayer. And Jesus needed to do this so he would not lose heart. As he walked the road to the cross, how many times was Jesus tempted to give up? How many times did he see people not responding? How many times did he think, why in the world did I leave glory and become a man and now I need to walk to the cross? And even in the garden where he says, Father, not my will, but your will be done in prayer. Coming to the Father. So we see these two things. We see that Jesus prayed and Jesus assumes that we who believe will pray. Now, it's great to know that. But who are we praying to? Who are we praying to? Teach us to pray. Who are we praying to? Listen, my transmission went on my minivan. Am I going to go to a musician to take care of my transmission? No, I'm going to go to somebody who knows what they're doing, right? Not to say that my dealer knows what he's doing. But I'm going to go to somebody who knows what they're doing. If I want to be taught a guitar, I'm going to go to one of these brothers and say, please teach me how to play. So in prayer, we need to know who we're going to. Are we going to someone 
who can actually hear and answer these prayers. Because these prayers are about our hearts. They're about our lives. They're about our children. They're about our souls. They're about our future. They have eternity written all over them. So who are we going to? And we have to have a realistic view of God. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Remember the former things, those of long ago? I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. That is an amazing statement that God is making, isn't it? That what I plan, that I will purpose, I will do. How about us? Many are the plans in a man's heart, but does it ever happen? How many times does it happen? How many politicians have told you about their plans? Has it happened? How many times have I put my own five-year plan together? Has it happened? But God works in this way. And I think it's important to know who this God is that we're coming to. He's all-powerful. I put all these scriptures here, so if you're in your small group, you can look at them or you can even pray through these. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. He's all-knowing. He's holy. He's personal. He's purposeful. This is God. How amazing is our God? Now, we always have these questions. You know, we have these questions. Well, how does it all work out? We have free will, but God's plan is going to go forward. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm just thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't pray because it's going to happen anyway. We have all these ideas about prayer, and I'm sure that we've all thought about these things a little bit. I have a little game I want us to play. And I think this game puts together the idea of how God's plan is going to be worked out, how we in our free will can make decisions, and yet God's purpose is going to be fulfilled. Um, if you could put that chart up, that would be great. Okay, this game, as you can see, there's 36 numbers. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you to choose some of these numbers. But there's a rule to this game. And the rule is that if you say you pick number four, that will be circled. But because you made that decision, like normal decisions in life, there's consequences to decisions we make. And because of that, certain things happen. So what will happen is if you choose four, a line goes across and then down. And those numbers are a part of that. You can't pick those numbers that the line's across. And you're going to pick six numbers, and it doesn't matter what you do, and it's going to come out to 111. And you can do this a thousand times, and we'll do the same thing. Okay? So, who wants to pick the first number? Anybody? Yes? Eight. Number eight. All right, let me just... He's working on it. He's working on it. Sorry. All right, I'll just put it here for now. Put it on that column to the right, so we'll just scratch that one. Oh, oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. My tech man told me it was going to work, so I know it will. No pressure. If not, I have a chart. We'll work yeah. with that. Okay, 
That's not it. <laughs> I don't know. You know where that, okay. that chart might work? We're good. Cool. Now we're good. Good. Now you got it? Yeah. Okay, so we get rid of this. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. All right. There you go. Now we're getting somewhere. All right. Who wants to pick another number? You can pick a number. It doesn't matter. Who wants to pick a number? Three. Three. Number three. He's circling it. Good job. All right. Doing a good job. All right. Another number. Yes. 22. 22. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Another number. 17. 17. That's an easy one. That's an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> Another number. Anybody? Yes. Good. You're there. I'm 36. Number is left. Twenty-five. All right. Well, let's add it up and see if it works. Three and eight is eleven. Well, let's go. Three eight is eleven. Eighteen twenty. Twenty-five thirty-one. One carry my three. Four six eight and three is eleven. The answer is one hundred and eleven. Now you can do that many many times. You have free will to choose. But the plan, 111, was still going to be worked out. And what I want to say to you is 111 is resurrection hope. Resurrection hope. It's what God has laid out for us in the coming of Jesus, the fulfillment of the promises, the cross, salvation, the power of the blood of Christ, the adoption as children, those who now experience the blessings of God and have an inheritance, now the time has been reversed. We're no longer moving towards death, but we're actually moving towards new life. There's going to be a new beginning. There's going to be newness. This is resurrection hope, and that's the plan of God, and we're moving towards that. And God is at work, and when we pray to God, we're praying to the one who's working out his plan, but in his plan, there is resurrection hope. In his plan, it says he works out all things for the good of those who believe. And why do we pray? Ian Bounds says, Prayer concerns God, whose purposes and plans are conditioned on prayer. His will and glory are bound up in praying. We pray because God has called us to pray. That his plan is moving forward through prayer. That Jesus himself coming to earth prayed for God to be at work. And we pray. And God, who is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-wise 
and holy and purposeful and loving. Here's our prayers. And he moves forward with them. So we pray. Isn't that amazing? Does that give you hope? Does that encourage you when you think about prayer? That we are praying to one who's able to do these things. So why do we pray? These are the reasons why. But what is prayer? You know, the disciples then came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. What is prayer? Well, how does it work? The first thing about prayer is that it's relationship. In Revelation 3.20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. Isn't that an amazing text? Think about that. This knocking at the door, this idea of having a meal. And I know you guys. I come from a large Italian family. We do everything around the table. I mean, the conversations around the table, when my wife first came to our house, the, the conversations start real low, and then about an hour later, everybody is yelling at one another. And it just keeps going up, and everybody knows every other conversation that's going on. And you feel free to break in at any time. Like, what do you mean? No, I mean, stop it. That, don't you stop. And that's the way it goes, and the conversation goes. And everything takes place around the table. Any, guy, any of you guys can relate to that? And here's the picture. Here's the picture that God has. Knocking at the door of our hearts that he might sup with us. That he might sit at the table and we might talk with him. He says, our Father who art in heaven. Personal relationship with God. This idea that we are in relationship even as children. And prayer is all about relationship. But relationship that comes in humility, that knows that it's helpless, that knows that it needs something. Even the illustration in Luke 11 of someone who needs something coming because they are helpless and they have someone coming. You know, in this text it talks about to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He was not even looked up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For anyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Brothers and sisters, we come in relationship knowing our dependency on God. Psalm 86, the psalmist says, I am desperate and needy. In Revelation 3, we are pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. We are the story of the emperor's new clothing. You know that story? We're that story. We think we bring so much and we're standing naked before God. We're that helpless. I can't breathe without God. I can't move without God. There's nothing about me apart from God. I'm completely helpless apart from what He gives me. And I come with that attitude of heart that 
The Beatitude says it's a poverty of spirit. In relationship, I come humbly to God. And I come in faith. Helplessness united with faith produces prayer. I come believing that God is trustworthy. I come believing that His promises are yes and amen. I come humbly and speak to Him like Adam and Eve in the garden walking along. This wonderful conversation that I can have in faith. And I want to speak for a moment about this. So often when we think about prayer, we think that I need to have my 15 minutes in the morning, my quiet time. Or I need to go into my prayer closet. Or we come together for corporate prayer. And these are all great places we are called to pray. But we need to get away from that and recognize that prayer is ongoing conversation with God all day long. Think about your mind. And think about what you do all day. Who do you have a conversation with? Yourself? The world? What's being blasted 24-7? You go out and what are you hearing all day long? And you're interacting with that. And so, yes, you're, you're interacting with yourself and with the world and you're having this conversation and there's decisions being made. What would it be like if my conversation during the day was with God and everything else broke in? And I believe that that's what we see in Jesus. Ongoing dialogue with the Father. And ongoing thinking. Even as I'm walking. I'm thinking about something I'm doing and I'm saying, Lord, help me to understand this. Lord, what does the Word of God say in this? Lord, help me to love this person right now. Lord, give me wisdom right now. This is what God has for us. Ongoing conversation. I know sometimes I'll start praying in the car and I'm sure other people are looking at me like there's something wrong with that person. He's talking to himself. He's talking to, you know, I don't care. I'm talking to God. But think about that and think about what's going on in your mind and heart. And so we have relationship, this amazing relationship with God that we can talk with Him as a father that we can come to Him and we can talk about what's going on in our hearts and we can admit to Him that we don't know what to do. We can admit to Him that I have no power to love people. We can admit all these things to Him. And He hears us. And we believe. And this is prayer. O'Hallisby says this is the breath of the soul. My father-in-law, Jack Miller, has this to write in the heart of a servant leader. You see, there is prayer and God-given prayer. The former is superficial, the work of orphans who may be religious people but unwilling to surrender human independence to the Lordship of Christ. God-given prayer and praise have as their essence awaiting God, a willingness to be wrought upon by the hammer of the fire of the Almighty until the chains of self-centered desires fall away from the personality and the love of Christ becomes the deepest hunger of the inner life. It's awaiting. For God to be at work in relationship. As we pray, what begins to happen? At the end of Luke, 
in this illustration where he talks about the Father and teaching a prayer, and then there's knocking in the door, and all that represents his relationship and faith, but it comes to the end of the Lord's Prayer, and it says, He will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit as you pray. And we have to understand about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is able to do. I have there a number of scriptures that you can look at this, but what does the Spirit do? The first thing we didn't know is that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can have Christ's Spirit in our hearts. The Spirit of God is now living within us. I mean, we're called temples. The idea is, is that Christ is now living in us through the Holy Spirit, and this Spirit is promised to teach us truth, to remind us of things, to come alongside us. We're not left as orphans, as Jesus said. But he is now with us through the Holy Spirit. And when we pray and the Spirit is able to be unleashed, amazing things begin to happen. He opens our hearts to know God's wisdom, truth, hope, inheritance, and power. The Spirit, as we pray, opens the eyes of our hearts to see not with the flesh, but to see with the Spirit. And as Ephesians says, we begin to see... The amazing things that are ours. All the blessings of heaven that are now ours. The inheritance that's before us. Because we're now children of God. That in the midst of this we can know that there is resurrection power alive on this earth. And that resurrection power is available to us through the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Isn't that amazing? As we pray. The Holy Spirit makes known to us the depths of Christ's love in our hearts. Ephesians 4. That in our inner being we might know the height, width, depth, and length. How amazing is that? I will tell you, brothers and sisters, that Proverbs tells us that the deepest desire of our hearts is to be loved unfailingly. To be loved unconditionally. And there's no one on this earth who can do it. There's no human being that can love us this way. But God can. And the Spirit pours the knowledge of that love into our hearts as we pray and as we begin to live out of a sense of being loved in such a way we are set free in this most amazing ways. What's it like to really live out of a love that can never be taken from you? The God of the universe loves you so much unconditionally. Radically different. I don't even need you to like me anymore. Because I'm loved by the God of the universe. Isn't that amazing? I'm set free from fear of people and fear of man. I'm able to step out. How amazing is that? He fills us with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As He fills us with the fruit of the Spirit, He's filling us with the character of God Himself and thy kingdom come, thy will be done on heaven as it is on earth is becoming fulfilled because the character of heaven is now in our hearts and we're living out the character of heaven on earth as we pray and the Spirit's unleashed in us. Is that amazing? Me, let you bring the character of heaven to earth through the fruit of the Spirit as we pray. As we pray. How amazing is that? You see, he opens the door for the good news of salvation to be known. As we pray, He 
opens the door. He goes before us. He speaks the heart. And we step in. And it says they need to hear the word of God in Romans 10. And as they hear, their hearts are going to respond. And we come with the word. And the prayer goes out. And hearts that cannot ever choose God in themselves through irresistible grace, through the work of the Spirit, are opened up to hear like you and me. Did you know that people were praying for you before you came to know the Lord? And I will tell you that if people weren't praying for you, you weren't coming to know the Lord. Because that's the way God works. That's the power of the Spirit. He opens our hearts to love people. What's it like? What's it like? How many, how many times am I challenged by the fact that I just love me, me, me? How about you? I love myself. Don't you love yourself? I love myself. But do I love people? Well, if you're nice to me. Oh, you're part of my family. I guess I have to love you. Although you're pretty irritating. But what's it like to love someone because God's love is compelling you to love them? What's it like when we're down in the city working with the homeless and they get in your face and they tell you, I don't want that. And you're sitting there and a friend of mine comes over to me or a teenager comes over and says, what am I supposed to do? And I'll say, let's pray for God's love. And we pray for God's love. And the next thing you know, we're giving them our socks. We're giving them a coat. Because the love of God is moving us out as we pray for that. You see, this is the way God works. And he then moves his love through us through prayer. He raises up laborers for the harvest. He raises up people to go. Go into the hardest places with the gospel. Did you know that the Chinese church is the fastest growing church in the world? Do you know that they're calculating now there's over 100 million Christians in China? And that a couple years ago they sent out 100,000 missionaries? into Muslim countries and they went out they prepared to suffer and die that's how they went out God is raising up laborers for the harvest field as we pray he makes us bold I can't I can't makes us bold he gives us the ability to go out what's it like in your workplace right now what's it like with your families what's it like when you begin to talk about things that, that carry the truth of a word, or if you even mention somebody that you're a Christian, do you get ridiculed? Are you embarrassed or ashamed? And then you pray, and it gives you boldness. I've gone out on street corners with teenagers. I was a youth pastor before I became a pastor for 12 years. Took teenagers down into the inner city on street corners. Fourth and Lehigh was the largest drug, the biggest drug corner. Actually, um, uh, Reagan came down to visit it. And we went down with a team to do street work on that corner. And our going down, people were very afraid of what was going to happen down there. And we went down and we did some drama on the street corner. And the kids got up and they began to give testimony. And it was amazing. Here are these teenagers. And they're on the street corner. They're at sharing God's word, sharing the gospel. Drug dealers on this corner. Drug dealers on this corner. We're on this corner. 
Cars are driving by, picking up their drugs. And they're crying out the gospel. And as they're doing it, they're getting bolder and bolder in answer to prayer. And the next thing you know, everything stops. People are looking out their windows. Traffic has stopped. The corners have stopped. And in the middle of it, one young person is preaching, preaching the gospel, and overcomes a drug dealer right on the corner and breaks down and lays straight out and repents and comes to the Lord. Now, if you were to ask that teenager, how did you do it? They would say to you, I have no idea. But we prayed. And the Spirit took over and made this person bold. We need to pray for boldness. We're not naturally bold with these things. But God gives us the courage. His Spirit works in us. And He provides us with the armor of God. We live in a world where we are tempted. We live in a world where our faith is challenged, where we're tempted to doubt. And he gives us armor that we can put on. And we Actually, when we put the armor on, we're putting on Jesus Christ. And, you know, I could go on and on, but I want you to know, you have to understand, when they said, teach us to pray, and Jesus began to show them that the Lord's Prayer includes all these things I just talked about. And when I begin to understand that this is what prayer is all about and the power that's unleashed and how the Spirit's at work and what God can do and how this is an ongoing relationship and I can call upon God all during the day, all during the night. How amazing is that? And why would I not want to come to my God and pray? Why would I not want to come and converse with Him? Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you so how do we pray? Well, I want to say, I could go on, I could talk about corporate prayer, individual prayer, but there's one thing I think is really important in prayer. And I think it's that it needs to be guided by Scripture. Jesus on the cross repeated what? What did he repeat on the cross? He repeated Scripture on the cross. All the things that he said on the cross was the Word of God. When Jesus was being tempted by the evil one in the wilderness. How did he refute the evil one? He used the word of God. I want you to know that it's really difficult to pray if we're just praying through our own feelings. But what we need to do and how we need to learn is we need to learn to pray through the scripture. Listen to what Bonhoeffer says. In the Psalter we learn to pray on the basis of Christ's prayer. It means praying according to the word of God. On the basis of promises, Christian prayer takes its stand on the solid ground of the revealed word and has nothing to do with vague, self-seeking vagaries or vagaries. You see, I need the word of God. You know, I counsel a lot of people as a pastor. People will come and they'll talk to me about their life and what's going on. And they'll talk about how right now they're angry at God and they're doubting God and there's a crisis of faith in their life. And I'll say to them, well, what are you doing? And I say, well, you know, I don't know. Everyone says, well, I'll pray or ask somebody to pray. Or, you know, sometimes I just, I just, I'm just too angry or whatever's going on. And I'll say, well, have you gone to the Word of God? Have you taken a psalm like Psalm 73 where the psalmist has the same heart and attitude that you do? And do you take it out and do you read it and then do you pray through it? And then get to the other side of that 
where the psalmist works through this issue and he gets to the other side where he's praising God and how I need the word of God to instruct my mind and as I pray out the word of God I'm praying the will of God and I'm actually being taught to pray the way Jesus prayed and so I want to encourage you how do you pray? do you take some scripture and pray? You know, every morning I have three prayers that I pray along with everything else that I pray because I believe that they're life-changing prayers. The first one is that Ephesians 3 prayer that I need to know in my inner being the height, width, length, and depth of God's love for me. I can't step out into this world unless I know that. And then I need the eyes of my heart opened up, as Ephesians 1 says, to see the inheritance to see what God has given to me, to see the power that's available, to see the eternal perspective, to see that way. And then I pray out of Colossians, Lord, give me spiritual wisdom and understanding that I might know your will, but it doesn't end there. It says, so that I might please you in every way. See, if I was just praying by myself, I wouldn't put that please you in every way there, would you? But that I might please you in every way and bear fruit that will last. And now I've added Philippians because I know that I need to abound more and more in love. But I need to be able to do that with discernment and wisdom. And I need to cry out to the Lord. I love in 2 Chronicles where Jehoshaphat, all the going on in the kingdom, they've just had revival and everybody's enjoying rest and they're enjoying a good time. And then suddenly, just like that, they're told that there is an army of over two million only about a half an hour away. And they're getting ready to destroy them. Now isn't that normally the way our days are? Everything seems to be going well. Oh man, this is a great day. And then boom, something happens. Car breaks down. Child gets sick. We hear about somebody that we love who's in the hospital. Uh, you know, I mean, you, we can talk about a million different types of things that happen. And just like that, our world is turned upside down. And now we're doubting. And we're, what are we going to do? And how are things going to happen? And where do we turn? Do we turn to our resources? Do we turn to prayer? And we can learn from Jehoshaphat. He immediately turned to prayer. He immediately brought all of Israel together and said, we need to come before the Lord and we need to pray and we need to fast. And what we need to know about fasting is something very simple. Fasting isn't just about, I'm not going to have food. Fasting is a statement. It's saying, I'm not going to any other resource but God. I'm going to God. And they went to God. And what did they do? What kind of prayer was prayed? This is amazing. They prayed about who God was. How powerful he was. How sovereign he was. They were reminding themselves in prayer about who God was. And then they moved from that to how faithful God was. How faithful he is. And then moving from that to saying, Oh Lord, you have delivered us in the past. You've always been there. We have seen your hand at work. You are so mighty. And then, as they built themselves up in prayer through the truth of the word and the truth of God's character, they then said, Oh Lord, deliver us from this. And brothers and sisters, the amazing part of that story is God raised up a prophet just like he raises up the word of God that spoke truth and God said to them, do not be worried and do not be fearful and do not doubt because this is my battle. And in Jesus Christ, he does battle for us. This is my battle. And you know what they did then? They worshiped the Lord. The choir of Israel got up and worshiped the Lord and the next morning they got up 
they knew who the battle was the Lord's and they trusted him and they believed. You see, they prayed out of helplessness in relationship with faith. And do you know what happened? How many of you know the story? The army goes out. And who is leading the army? Do you know? The choir is leading the army. They have so much confidence in God. The choir leads the army. And they're singing songs about God's enduring love. As they're walking up one hill and down the other. And they finally get to the ridge where, they're, where before there's going to be the battle. And when they look out, all the armies have been destroyed. They wind up fighting one another. And it's this amazing picture of the power of prayer. Of helpless people going before the Lord. And leading out in worship. I just want to encourage you. This is how Jesus speaks about prayer. It's what the Lord's prayer is all about. And we need to understand that in our hearts. Just to remember. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. He is able to do more than we ask or imagine. It says in Revelation 8 that every prayer we pray goes on the altar. Every prayer we pray, every prayer we pray goes on the altar. And do you know what? Every one of those prayers will be answered in God's timing, in God's power, in His purposes, with His love, and with His wisdom. So you know what that means? That means we could die... And that prayer is still going to be answered. It means that you can be praying for your child and you might die. And you can be praying for their soul. And God will still answer that prayer. That's how faithful he is. How amazing is that? Is that amazing power in prayer? This morning I shared a story about George Mueller. He was a man who in the uh, 1900s put together a lot of orphanages. And he was known for his heart of mercy and kindness uh, especially towards the orphans. But he had chosen to pray for five friends of his that had not known the Lord. The first friend came to the Lord in five years. The second friend came in ten years. The third friend came in 25 years. The fourth friend came in 50 years. And the fifth friend came to the Lord at his funeral. How amazing is the power of prayer. How amazing is our God. I want to encourage you brothers and sisters tonight. When the disciples spoke and asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus' heart must have delighted in that. And we need to continually come to him. Knowing why we pray. Who we pray to. What prayer accomplishes. What prayer really is. So that we might step out. In all the power of the spirit. Into this world. Amen. Amen.